3: everyone, and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, along with the Rhino in the Element Wealth Studios, guiding you through the middle of your day with Facts, Fodder, and fine music on this hump day. Well, we had a good time up in uh, West Point, Mississippi, yesterday. Uh, I was a little concerned about, as uh, was Scary Gary and uh, others, on board there that we might see a little rain, but it held off. Little clouds, little sun. Turned out to be a decent day and uh, always enjoyable going there up to West a scattering
2: point. of storms across the Magnolia State, but they were generally pretty small
4: and
3: quick. Well, I will say that uh, on my travel home down there on uh, 25, I ran into quite the gully washer. And it was red right on top of me. Uh, uh, Hydroplaned a bit, and I was doing probably 35-40 on the road there, because you couldn't see. It was just coming down in torrents. But no big deal. Beautiful blue skies out there today. Appreciate that. Looking a little bit more like August. And it appears we're not going to have a named storm in August, right? Right. I think it would be a uh,
2: surprise if one of them popped up between now and midnight.
3: I don't think it's going to happen. So I would say that's good news, but w- weren't the predictions earlier in the year to be an incredibly active storm season? I know we're not done oh, yeah. yet.
2: And they even doubled down on it to the point where it was a certain number of name storms with, I want to say, four major, major were predicting predicting, and then... After the first month of the hurricane season, they upped it to either five or six. Oh gosh! But and I've I've heard this said a couple different ways and a couple different times, but it all seems to boil down to you either have one or two in August, or you have one or two in September. Okay. And very rarely do you have big ones in both. Yeah. Well. So we've missed August. Does that mean we're getting one next month? or starting tomorrow. Well, I guess we'll have to see
3: what happens. But so far, so good. We are grateful for that. Lord knows we don't need any more uh any more sort of storms. We don't need any kind of disruptions and issues like that to deal with. We got plenty no doubt about it. Uh Water, water everywhere, and not a drop to drink. Yeah, so I'll have to report here to the audience that Rhino, now a resident of Jackson, he uh, produced and published a very intriguing video of life in the capital city with respect to water, and went through the process of daily life of uh, how to obtain Water that one can use for life's various functions, but most in in uh, interesting, I should say, was when you went to the faucet there, the sink looked like in your kitchen. Yeah, the kitchen sink, and uh, spun the knob to open it up and cause water to flow, and it just barely dripped, and you had it wide open. Oh yeah. And, just a trickle. Yeah. And, and just to uh, confirm, in case there, someone thought there might be that viewed that, thought there might be a lot of the chicanery yeah, going on, you, you clearly uh, showed your hand spinning it two or three times, fully ro- uh, rotation, full rotation, of, uh, from closed to open, off to on, if you will. And it didn't change the situation. So we thought that in the building today, we might be the only ones in here, right? Because earlier yesterday, the uh, central only. Yeah, the proprietors of the building said, stay away because we don't think we're going to have adequate water to cool the place. The chillers, of course, that power the air conditioner require the water, and of course, the restrooms, et cetera. So, but fortunately, that situation changed later on in the day as the pressure seemed to uh, improve. Situation improved. And so we were told, okay, it's fine. Come on in. But we thought it might just be you and me and the guest, right? That was what it was looking like yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyhow, we are here. We are grateful that you are with us. We've got uh, a good show lined up for you today. Eric Simmons, the mayor of Greenville, he's going to call in at 10.20 in the next segment. He has offered food and accommodations to the Jackson State University football team. You don't think about it, but it's pretty hard to run a football program without water. Anything else as well is pretty fundamental to our way of life running water that we I guess have expected and come to expect and appreciated and and utilized for a whole long time. So that's a big old problem. We're gonna to talk to Mayor Eric Simmons. And then at eleven oh five, Russ Latino, president of Empower Mississippi, comes in, the Element Well Studios. He and I will have, I'm sure, a very lively discussion about the whole student loan forgiveness debacle. That ought to be fun. And then at 12.05, it's Sam Creekmore. Sam, of course, a member of the Mississippi House of Representatives, represents District 14, that's Union County. He will talk about International Overdose Awareness Day and uh, share his thoughts and ideas on state legislation Pertaining to drug education, drug courts in the state, et cetera. So that ought to be interesting uh, as well. Look forward to those interviews. Speaking of,
2: quote-unquote, drugs and the law. Okay. Did you see what went down in Lincoln County yesterday?
3: I I heard uh, just some some buzz, but tell us.
2: So there was a special election that was initiated after Lincoln County opted out of the medical marijuana program, and the citizens of Lincoln County got enough signatures to get it on a special election ballot, Okay. and the citizens of Lincoln County opted back into the medical marijuana program. Oh,
3: I did see the results on that. Yeah. How about that? I mean, the, the law worked as designed. Yeah. Is that the first jurisdiction that I'm aware.
2: I believe it's the first one, and and I could be mistaken, I could have missed one, but I think it's the first one where a municipality or a county opted out, and then the citizens
3: opted back in. Okay, right. And that, of course, is an option provided for in the law. And uh, I, I believe the law also stipulated that if there was a ballot measure where the citizens uh, met the qualifications, the criteria for that, got it on the ballot, and it failed to pass. I believe you had to wait two years. I think that's right. Uh, before you'd started that process again, if you wanted to go back to the ballot and uh, get the citizens to weigh in on the medical marijuana program. So, Union County. Lincoln County. Uh, Lincoln County, pardon me, pardon me. Uh, Lincoln County, okay. So have you heard of any other jurisdictions? What, there's 24 or so? I don't know the exact final number, but the number that comes to mind is 24 or so cities, municipalities, I believe, that opted out. Seems like there were about as many counties. And then there was, I know my county, Madison County, opted out of retail, but did not opt out of the other. Cultivation uh, and testing. Right, processing, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah. So the other aspects. Um, interesting. Well. I
2: mean, and, it's about the right time for it to line up because you had a certain amount of time after it was passed to be enacted. Then after it's enacted, you had a certain amount of time to get the signatures collected. Yeah. You had to get it on the ballot. and Yeah.
3: Takes a little work. Oh, yeah. So, um, and I saw someone actually posted, I think it was a citizen of Lincoln County that's uh, in my social media group, I, I think actually posted the final vote outcome.
2: Yeah, I want to say it was, oh, I just read it earlier. It was 180-some-odd vote difference. That, that sounds
3: about right. It's pretty evenly split. I want to say the voter turnout
2: was less than 15%, though.
3: Okay. You know, isn't that about what, to, what would be expected, I think? Pretty hard. I mean,
2: there are some parts of the Magnolia State where they would be elated if 15% you know, of the well, population is, showed up to vote.
3: That is true. Apathy uh, in terms of voting is a problem. It's a problem nationwide. It's a problem in our state as well. The midterm primaries uh, were an example of that. Most recent example of that, and of course, the general election approaches in November for members of the U.S. House of Representatives. That would be on the ballot this coming November. But next year's big old year when we will elect our statewide leaders and uh, members of our legislature to represent us is going to be. Going to be interesting for sure. That is uh, just around the old corner, as they say. Little CCR bumping us out of this segment. When we return, the mayor of Greenville, Mississippi, Eric Simmons, will call in. Stay with us.
5: On the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, a 20% chance of rain, mostly sunny, high near 91. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 69. Beautiful day on tap for Thursday, mostly sunny, high near 90 degrees. And finally, Friday, a 60% chance of showers, partly sunny, high near 90 degrees. This weather brought to you by our friends at Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton. Shop local. Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile, your building supply experts since 1871.
6: Hunting and timberland are some of
2: the most highly valued and sought-after real estate available. Hi, I'm Mike Odom, realtor and land specialist with Four Corner Properties. And from every corner of the state, 4CP is your total real estate solution. Whether you're in the market for an investment track, a weekend getaway for the family, or you want to buy or sell a home, I'm here to help. Call me today on my cell at 601-927-5018 or 601-952-2828 or visit our website, 4CPLandonHomes.com.
8: We have mowers in stock and ready for you. Frederick Sales and Service, the choice in outdoor equipment. Serving you since 1993. We're here with a special invitation to join us weekday morning, 6 9. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis, all right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3.
0: Check it out. Let's do this. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert.
9: Let's get on with
0: it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
7: Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. When I was younger, so much
10: younger than.
3: Welcome back everyone, Midday Talk, Mississippi, I see what you did there Rhino. (laughs) And joining us now, the Mayor of Greenville, Mississippi, the Honorable Eric Simmons. Mayor, good morning, thanks for joining Middays. Good morning, how you doing my friend Gerard, how are you? Doing great sir. So, uh, your very generous offer here to uh, Coach Primetime Deion Sanders, Jackson State University Tigers to provide food and accommodations for the football team has uh, made a lot of news in the last 24 hours. We wanted to have you on and, and uh, see where that came from and, and, and also find out what is the coach uh, said, what, what kind of response have you received?
11: Yeah, we've reached out, of course, to the athletic director, uh, Ashley um, uh, Robertson, uh, and the team to let them know, one, uh, that uh, we're here to offer housing and food for those players. Of course, Gerard, you know football, we love football. Sure. Uh, And these guys really should be thinking uh, about uh, no water, uh none no food to eat because of no water given the discomfort that Jackson's having with the water crisis they really should be gearing up and preparing for the game on Saturday yeah and so uh our motivation in this is what we did for the city of Vicksburg in 2017 what we did for Hurricane Ida relief victims and Hurricane Katrina victims uh Greenville that's who we are uh, of course you know our good friend Steve Azar talks about one Mississippi yeah. Uh, which is our new say song. So we're going to be strong as a state. We got to help our brothers and sisters in our cities and towns when they're in need. A friend in need is a free a friend indeed. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, what we're trying to do is just say we're offering. We've already begun at our fire departments collecting water. We've contacted our businesses, our big box stores. This water is being collected right now and being dropped off at our fire departments. We're going to hopefully try to make a drop to Jackson. Uh, to the mayor, I spoke with the mayor uh, yesterday and a uh, council person as well in Jackson to drop some water off to the residents there on tomorrow. We're collecting from today up until September 15th. So we want every week to be able to drop an 18-wheeler load of water uh, to Jackson. Uh, but as relates to the football team, uh, we uh, hadn't uh, got a response in the affirmative yet. Uh, but we know after the team leaves Miami, when they come back on Sunday, uh, Monday, uh, they got a week of practice again, so that uh, Olive ranch and that door uh, of food and housing is open uh, uh, for the team at Jackson State University. Uh, you know the Bible commands us to love our neighbors as thyself, and so you know if you got a brother or sister, uh, particularly in this situation, a group of brothers and sisters and residents uh, in Jackson that are hurting. Uh, It's incumbent on us to make sure that we bless them and and do something to show our care and our love and support for them.
3: Mayor, you're actually a graduate of Jackson State, are you not?
11: That's right. Graduated from Jackson State. And look, my son, uh, Lee Eric, uh, is a wide receiver uh, for Jackson State, uh, playing for Coach Prime and the JSU football team as well. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Where is the game this week? Is it uh, Memorial Stadium or are they on the road?
11: they on the road. They're playing the Orange Bowl Classic in Miami. Uh, they're playing okay. FAMU, and okay. the center the team is going to be Thursday. Okay. Uh, but, you know, given that discomfort and listening to Coach Prime and his statement that he talked about on yesterday, you know, uh, these guys, you know, are going to leave on Thursday. Uh, And we hope they can, you know, take a shot or hope they can get some food and get some things and some uh, necessities done before they go and and play the big game. Uh, But uh, we can't just think about uh, today or tomorrow. We got to think about uh, next week and the weeks after. Uh, Don't know how long this crisis will Last, we know that the governor did send a letter to the president. The president has declared a state of emergency. We know the the, 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 the mayor did a local uh, emergency declaration as well. Uh, and so given all three of those declarations and states of emergencies, uh, we wanted to get into uh, active gear, uh, uh, if you will, uh, in football language and, and put our helmets on, put our uh, 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 shoes on mm-hmm. and, and start uh, running. Uh, to support uh, our folks
3: in uh, in Jackson. Well, it's an incredibly generous gesture for sure, mayor. what uh, any any feedback from your constituents, your residents of the city of Greenville? What did they think about your generous offer?
11: Well, you know, it, it has been all positive. We got a, a slew of calls, and I had a, a call uh, with some good friends that we know uh, in the hotel business uh-huh. uh, and biggest hotel uh owners uh in the delta really. Uh and so we have several properties uh in Greenville. Uh of course, uh we couldn't open the door for the whole entire city of Jackson. Uh but with the amount of availability of rooms that we have, right. uh, we could offer a football team. Uh and so speaking to uh that hotel owner of several hotels in okay. the Mississippi Delta, yep. uh and their staff, uh uh we got uh hotels that we've uh Set rooms aside to offer that housing. Okay. On the team. Interesting.
3: Well, that uh, well that was good that uh, you have that relationship. We're able to call on them. It sounds like that they were more than willing to provide uh, some assistance with the accommodations there. Sounds like the team is going to be headed out tomorrow, though, right? If they're going down to Miami for, for yes, the Orange Bowl, yeah. But as you indicated, yes, they'll be back, and uh, so I suspect next week's game. Will be local. Will be a home game. Look, next week's game actually they, is in Memphis. Okay, so they're on the it's road. Is in Memphis. Again. Yeah, okay, they're well, playing
11: the uh, Southern Heritage on the road again. Mm-hmm. But you know the question is, and we offer uh, the uh, fields as well. You know okay. we got uh, several public and parochial schools uh, that have practice fields okay. uh, that will fit their need. Of course, it's it's no Jackson State <laughs> practice yeah. field, but yeah. a practice field indeed. Sure. Uh, and our goal is, is to just provide what we can. Uh, in this time of discomfort in this time of need.
3: Yeah. Well, while we got you, what about your water infrastructure in the city of Greenville? I I mean, this is an issue that's not unique to Jackson, as you well know, that the entire nation, uh, cities are plagued with aging water and sewer infrastructure.
11: You know, uh, it's long overdue and we, we applaud the Biden-Harris administration for the bipartisan infrastructure law that we've seen, you know, uh, that is really funneling down. I know the state uh, received about $4.4 We got sent here in Greenville $7.1 oh. want to thank Lieutenant Governor Deborah Holmes and Speaker Gunn for the program that they've put in place. Because we are a city that got over a million dollars, we can get a dollar for dollar match. Yeah to fix our aging water infrastructure and sanitary sewer system. But I can just tell you that 7.1 can turn to 14.2 million. But we have $100 million of unfunded water and sewer projects. Oh, wow. So that's just still just in the haystack. So when you think about Jackson, a looming problem of $2 billion. Jackson has an EPA consent decree. Greenville has an EPA consent decree working with our sewer collection systems. Miles Point, Hattiesburg, a lot of places around the uh, Mississippi have these consent decrees where you're fixing the uh, collection systems, of course, uh, you have the Pearl River there in Jackson, here in Greenville, you got the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. So you have those ebbs and flows of the water in the river, and the, this water seeps underneath the levee, it gets in the collection system, it erodes the uh, piping, uh, and you have these breaks and you have these problems where you can't supply water to your folks and you have untreated water. Yeah. Uh, so we applaud the, the money uh, that is coming from the federal government, uh, but it will take vertical and uh, and horizontal integration from a local, a state and a federal level, but also across the gamut with businesses and everybody having a comprehensive plan how you can attack this issue. These are 50, 60, 70-year issues uh, that all mayors, Jackson, Greenville, you know, Boston, Chicago, across the country are really dealing with with these old piping uh, and these 16, 20-inch lines that were put in in 1894, 1910, or 1920 that are in need of repair. Uh, and you can't tax your people uh, sufficiently uh, to do it. And you don't wanna tax your people. You know, we have a standard water bill uh, that has water, sewer and garbage and trash about $54. To pay for a system that we need over 110 million, we will have to charge out folks $300 per person. Yeah. So we stopped raising rates about two years ago and looking for projects, grant projects, meeting with Senator Wicker, Senator Smith, and Congressman Thompson about the federal vehicles, whether it's the water program, uh, this inflation, uh, the climate act that is coming up, looking for those federal vehicles, what we can tap into. Of course, the state has a sewer revolving fund that you can tap into and get a low interest loan. But when you do that, they take the sales tax off the top, uh, from our city budgets. And so when you have oh. declining populations, the infrastructure is still the same and aging infrastructure in at that, uh, you have to find creative ways to try to fix it. And so uh, it could be Jackson today, but it could be anyone else tomorrow. And so our goal is if we are blessed, it's incumbent on us to bless somebody else at this time because we want them to do the same things.
3: I understand. <laughs> Mayor, appreciate that. It's a fascinating story, and it wouldn't surprise me if this doesn't make its way to the national news. It may already have, but uh, it's it's a very unique and unusual situation, and uh, I, I don't know that it's certainly, I can't remember when I've seen uh, such an act, you know, from a city and a city's leadership to, to help out uh, a university like this, an urban university in a city that's, that's uh, bedeviled with these issues, but you're right. It could happen to anybody because this is a problem across the nation. Mayor, thanks you right, for coming so on today. Appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Yes sir. You. yes, sir. Mayor Eric Simmons of Greenville, Mississippi, has been our guest on Middays. We'll step aside for a break. We're coming right back.
12: This is Dave Logan with Canon Nissan of Jackson.
7: What's new, Dave?
12: New Nissan's are arriving daily. We are now offering a two-year maintenance program on all new and pre-owned vehicles. Canon Nissan will match any competitor's prices on tires, batteries, and more. Nobody beats a deal, nobody.
7: Magnolia Health is made for Mississippi. A statewide network of specialists and primary care physicians at more than 17,000 locations. Community outreach programs, and quality jobs for nearly 400 Mississippians. Our commitment to building healthier communities in Mississippi has never been stronger. Learn more at magnoliahealthplan.com/benefits.
13: Family Termite is a proud VIP sponsor of the Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Mississippi's handyman Buddy Slowick has the answers to your
14: home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon. At Clinton Body Shop, we really do take pride in perfection. And that's why we've been awarded the iCar Gold Certification for our 30th year straight. Only 11 shops worldwide have accomplished this. This remarkable achievement can only happen with continuous training from iCar and the manufacturers of the vehicles you drive. If an insurer tries to steer you somewhere else, tell them you want the shop that's certified by the manufacturer of the car you drive. We're located in Clinton and Richland or online at ClintonBodyShop.com.
15: Guys, have Viagra and Cialis let you down? It can get you to the point where you think your best days are behind you.
10: I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. White House officials are saying President Biden's decision to cancel between 10 and 20,000 in student debt for millions of Americans is fully paid for because of a drop in the federal deficit. Representative Dan Eubanks is with the Mississippi Freedom Caucus. He told us they had a significant response to a poll on their website.
16: Eighty-four percent of the respondents said that somebody in their family would benefit from this, this buyout or this, this forgiveness, but ninety-four percent of respondents said they didn't believe it was right
4: or fair. He says this does nothing to solve the problem. The same, you know, uh, students are going to go out next year, and they are going to take out the same amount of loans and the same amount of debt from the same high-charging universities. Yeah. And, and so all this does, basically, if you look at it, there is no other uh, end result other than just vote buying.
17: Join Mississippi's handyman Buddy Slowick every Saturday from 10 till noon as he broadcasts live from the Mississippi Construction Education Foundation studio. Contact MCEF today. Leading the way in training, credentials, and job placement.
0: When you listen to Super Talk, you hear our team working for you. Great information. Drilling down and getting to the core of the issues that impact you. They
12: give you, like, the information you need to know. Super Talk, Mississippi.
0: Need some good news? I've got good news. Good things good news. with Rebecca Turner. Good news. Your daily dose of good news. Good news. Good news. This afternoon at 2 on Super Talk, Mississippi. Good news. There's a ton of content from Super Talk Mississippi on our new YouTube channel. Just search Super Talk Mississippi on YouTube or go to supertalk.fm slash YouTube. Be sure and subscribe for free to get the latest scoop on what's happening in Mississippi news, politics, sports, and the good things happening here in the state. Middays with Gerard Gibbers welcome, welcome to our show on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay,
18: now you have a good one.
3: Well, studios appreciate the mayor of Greenville, Mississippi, coming on. See what happens for that on that uh, front. So, uh, lots of text rolling in here on the C Spire text line. Let's see, the Park Commission is already at a 300K deficit this year in Greenville because the commissioner signed a bunch of contracts with rappers for a festival without the council knowing. Hmm. Well, I gotta tell you, uh, uh, you know, it's complicated stuff. But I, it's would be surprising to me that a single council member can bind a city. I I don't think so. I mean, a single council member should not have binding legal authority. Shouldn't. I mean, I can tell you, in the private sector, you better make sure whoever signs contracts has binding authority. And the contracts should have a legal statement close to the signature. It needs to be someone who has that legal ability to enter into a contract on both sides. I've seen that tested before. It don't go well. If whomever the signatories are, if there is one, certainly party in, a, in an agreement, in a contract that doesn't have binding authority. tell you, in my company, it's about three people, and I'm one of them. And as the CEO, and honestly, we had it all automated. It was, all, it was totally electronic. We were an early adopter of digital signatures a long time ago, before anybody ever heard of DocuSign. And you know... It's not surprising, Rhino, at first, we had a number of customers that were um, leery of digital signature and insisted that, no, let's print them out and sign them and fax them back and forth and all that kind of stuff, including the state of Mississippi, where I always thought it was silly we'd have four-part contracts or four, um, four copies, should say, of contracts, uh, in the state, and we literally would have somebody go down to town to pick them up, bring them to me for two seconds to sign, and then bring them back for them to sign, and then bring back the copies.
2: Oh, yeah. In big cities, there's entire services that do that. Yeah. Bike couriers and this like.
3: Right. Well, it's they like, used to. Like, dude, why can't we do this electronically? I, I never understood that. But nonetheless, back to this point, it's... Uh, He says, the director of, uh, this is Pat Dale from the Delta, the director of the Park commissions had them signed, and in Greenville, the Park Commission works on their own budget, but when they go over a budget, guess who has to pay it? I mean, I still say, though, Pat, honestly, that 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 that's a problem, I would say, in the structure of uh, the legal framework under which the or any city operates. You just got to be careful with binding authority there, and certainly some single member of a council... Shouldn't have the I don't think it's good business the authority to bind a contract anyhow i so i you know I really don't know about um relying on what Pat's telling us here about the deficit and so forth. It's just kind of crazy um Gina Mendehall says Jackson can't hand out water bills wait till the trash stops running, yeah. I hear you, and uh, the billing system, having worked with the city of Jackson from an IT perspective as a vendor for 25 years, um, and, and you know obviously abiding by their procurement policies and rules, and it does bring up an interesting thought that I had about this whole deal, honestly, and that is just think about how to connect the dots here. This, I believe, is a very pointed example of what you've heard me describe on the program as the march to mediocrity. And here's what I mean by that. Public sector entities, and now to a great extent even private sector entities, their procurement processes are are not as I think many people perceive. Here's what I mean. To do business with most municipalities in this country, in some cases states, but certainly at the municipal and county level, as a vendor, as a contractor to those levels of government, it's pretty it's been a pretty widespread and common practice to require minority vendor participation, what they call MBE, Minority Business Enterprise. Remember we had um, the contract compliance officer from the Jackson Municipal Airport Authority on, I think, last week, talking about the um, Aviation Industry Day, which was uh, really a business event. To try to connect minority vendors with the three airports Golden Triangle, Jackson Municipal, and uh, Gulfport Biloxi. Is it Gulfport Biloxi or Biloxi Gulfport? I think it's Gulfport Biloxi, if I'm not mistaken. So, anyhow, you know what I'm talking about. The one on the coast that has Gulfport uh, Biloxi International. Okay, had it right. Thank you. So, uh, any, anyhow, and remember that she shared with us her, her function is to ensure contract compliance, and I can't remember the acronym, Rhino, remember, because I had to ask her. I wasn't sure what it meant. My experience, the acronym was always MBE, Minority Business Enterprise. Maybe it was like disadvantaged or something like that. You remember that? It seems to be one of the letters in it. But it's the same deal, nonetheless. So, in general, though, procurement... And it, I know this to be the case in the city of Jackson because I did a lot of business with the city of Jackson. You've got to have a certain percentage of your contract has got to include. Um, it's got to, got to include vendors in that contract that are minority owned, okay, to qualify as a minority business enterprise and registered with the city as a minority business enterprise. And unless, I want to say uh, it's been a while, 20 percent of the value of the contract had to be allocated to an MBE. And that's very common. I've done business in New Orleans, in Memphis, in Birmingham, in Atlanta. Very common. Very common practice, very common policy in procurement. So. I think the common perception of the taxpayer is, well, procurement, of uh, using public money, is done through some comprehensive, totally transparent and fair bid process, an RFP process, request for proposal, which is typically a lot more involved than uh, than just a simple bid. Bid is just, okay, we want to buy some of these, what's your price? RFP is provide us a proposal to, to perform certain work as described in the RFP, and usually those things can be quite extensive. I mean, we, I've done uh, many in my career where the RFP itself was up several two- or three-inch binders, and of course the response would be about triple that. You know, you'd have to have to have a cart to bring in your response. And there's usually a scoring mechanism and a, and a scoring system that is... Typically published, sometimes it's included in the RFP, sometimes it's post-RFP. But the, the scoring is uh, it is subjective, except for the financial aspect, which, of course, is objective. And then there's, there are weights assigned to the various categories of scoring. The state of Mississippi conducts its RFP process consistent with these standards and has for years. It's quite fair. But in the case, typically, of municipalities... There is a minority business enterprise participation requirement. And you may have the lowest and best, not the lowest necessarily, but the lowest and best, meaning you meet the requirements, the specifications of what is being procured in accordance with the RFP, and you've scored the best terms of the technical value and the technical quality of your proposal, and, and you're meeting the specifications, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. all kinds of qualitative scoring categories, and you may and combine that with the weight of your financial price, and you win. But if you don't have sufficient minority participation, you lose. And in fact, contracts get awarded at a higher price, at a premium to the taxpayer, simply because a vendor, the winning vendor, included the required minority participation, maybe even exceeded it, and therefore got additional points in the scoring mechanism. So the taxpayers actually pay a premium to do business with vendors that are either minorities or include certain minority participation. It's not, let's buy the best value. That's not the goal at all. We'll continue this discussion as we go into a break here on uh, Middays, and we'll be right back.
19: I'm Mason Irby, your Madison County Edward Jones financial advisor. We're all about financial investments, but we also value the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Madison Central Football on Supertalk Jackson. Call me, Mason Irby, at 601-616-6872 or visit edwardjones.com for all your investment needs. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
1: Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events.
4: Braves hosts the Chicago Cubs affiliate Tennessee Smokies August 30th through September 4th at Trustmark Park. Join us for Bark in the Park and Dollar Hot Dogs all game long on Tuesday. Then First Responders Wednesday. Truck works Thursday, Thursday. Friday the first 500 kids, 14 and under will get a free back-to-school backpack. Courtesy of the Mississippi State Department of Health Office of Tobacco Control. On Saturday it's post-game Delta Blues theme fireworks presented by Rich Pro Truck. Followed by a Labor Day fireworks show presented by Patriot Roofing. After the 6.05 p.m. series finale on Sunday night. Tickets, Mississippi Braves.
20: This is the opening agri market report. The open at the New York Cotton Exchange December cotton was up 54 to 11286. March cotton was up 53 to 10980. The opening of the Chicago Board of Trade November soybeans were up a penny to 1433 and a half per bushel. January soybeans were up one and a quarter to 1438 and three quarters per bushel. December corn was down 10 and a quarter to 677 per bushel. March corn was down 10 and a half to 672 and three quarters per bushel. At the Mercantile, October live cattle was down 45 to 143.37. December live cattle was down 40 to 149.40. October feeders down 15 to 183.12. November feeders down 20 to 184.50. And at the open, the Dow jumps down 42 points, 31,749. I'm Dixon Williams. That's the Super Talk Mississippi Agri News Network.
3: Welcome back to everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. Kyle and Jackson. So, we were just talking about this minority participation requirement, which is nothing new. It's been around for a long time. I think what's relatively new, however, is the rather sharp increase of private sector entities. All again, uh, going back to the George Floyd incident. After that, all sorts of large private companies adopted and, and published all sorts of policies where they're given incredible preferential treatment to minority-owned enterprises and, and pledged to, to increase the percentage of their total spend uh, with minority vendors. Whether they're the best vendor offering the best quality product service at the lowest price, in other words, the best value for the entity, irrelevant. In the case, so that's private company. They can do what the heck they want. Now, I can tell you, I've been on the losing end of that with some fortune companies where we lost deals. We had the clearly the best solution, the lowest cost, best value solution, and lost. And we're told, you're not a minority enterprise. Sorry. This money's going over here. In the public sector, it's different because... Whereas in the private sector, I could argue reasonably that 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 isn't an an abdication of fiduciary responsibility when management at a private company is not looking out for the stockholders by by investing with, spending money with vendors who provide the best value to the company. In the case of the public sector, such as a municipality, well, it's the taxpayers on the hook, and I have personally been involved in a number of uh, fairly large procurements and lost simply because we either didn't, to their satisfaction, meet the minority participation requirement or that we were not a minority-owned business. Now. It gets gained, there's no doubt, where you'll get non-minority-owned businesses that will turn around and subcontract it, or vice, actually vice versa. This is a more common case. The minority-owned business, which is just a shell, that has zero capabilities. I've seen this in my industry, in the IT industry. And they'll uh, respond and be the prime contractor, respond to the RFP, be the prime contractor. They do zero work and turn around and subcontract it. To a non-minority vendor who actually does the work,
2: after taking their nice cut,
3: correct, and they get and and by the way, it's not that it renders them uncompetitive because you've got these multiple layers of people getting compensated. No, in fact, again, they pay a premium. It's and I I have been Rhino. I promise this I'm telling the truth here. i sure as I'm sitting here, I have been at what's called bid openings. Could, could be giant RFPs, right? And In some situations, um, the buyer, the owner, let's just call it a city. They'll have like a summary sheet they'll ask you to prepare to include in your you know four inch thick RFP response and you put the summary sheet on the top. So quickly the, the uh, those that are receiving the RFPs from the various vendors, at the day and time you're to deliver it, can get a quick summary. So they look at it, and the first thing they look at is the minority participation. They could care less about the quality of the solution, the cost of it, how much minority participation are you saying you got? That's all they care about. So I'm I'm simply saying that Jackson, like so many other municipalities, is operated under such a procurement environment for decades. And when you do so, you're not getting the best value for the taxpayers. Is that saying that no minority entities can uh, properly serve the city? No, it's not saying that. What I'm saying is, when, again, what you are, as we say so many times, rather than who you are, <laughs> is what rues the day and, uh, and the way money is spent, it's irresponsible, and it's a march to mediocrity. I remember participating, and I'm just sharing my little teeny-tiny anecdotal world. I know there's a million other examples out there, but th- this constant uh, focus and obsession with what's the race and the gender and the other status the, the again the what the physical attributes of those that are vending to the entity, when that becomes a greater focus then we gotta solve the problem here. And <laughs> we gotta do it in a in a financially responsible manner as a fiduciary for the taxpayers. Well that gets kind of shoved off to the side. It's more important. It, it's almost soft reparations, folks, if you want to know the truth. Just is. That's the way that stuff works, and I've seen examples where we lost. Vendor that won because of their minority participation failed in the middle of the project. We were brought in to bail them out. Unbelievable. We'll step aside right here. We'll come back with more. we got Russ Latino after the news break. You're listening to WFMN
0: Flora Jackson. Super Talk, Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at baroniestreepros.com.
21: News. I'm Chris Boster. An updated COVID vaccine booster shot could be available in a few days. The FDA gave
22: authorization to a new recipe made by Pfizer and Moderna. The new vaccines combine the original recipe with updates specifically for Omicron
21: variants BA four and BA five, considered the most contagious strains. Fox's Jared Halpern. Ahead of a hearing tomorrow, the Justice Department argues against the appointment of a special independent master to go through material taken from former President Trump's home in Florida. In this filing, prosecutors write the Government also developed evidence that government records were likely concealed and removed from the storage room, and that efforts were likely taken to obstruct the government's investigation. Prosecutors write three classified documents that were not located in boxes were located in the desks in the 45 office. Boxes. Mike Emanuel in DC. America's listening to Fox News.
5: The best made to order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at Fourth and Gold Sports Cafe. Home-style plates full of catfish, shrimp and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or GrubHub. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283.
7: Carter Sledge Family Dentistry is just that. A family. It was just a good experience
5: in,
9: in itself to how they did it and how loving and compassionate they all I was just so excited because It was exactly what he tells you.
7: I cried. (laughs) I really cried. Carter Sledge Family Dentistry, 772 Lake Harbor Drive in Richland, 601-607-7876.
12: This is Dave Logan with Canon Nissan of Jackson.
15: What's
7: new, Dave?
12: New Nissans are arriving daily. We are now offering a two-year maintenance program on all new and pre-owned vehicles. Canon Nissan will match any competitor's prices on tires, batteries,
10: and more. Nobody beats Canon Deal. Nobody. I'm Kelly Bennett and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Monday night, Governor Tate Reeves declared a state of emergency over Jackson's water crisis and the state created an incident command center to assist in the water treatment facility's endeavors. Jack Callahan has more.
23: A stark warning from Governor Tate Reeves for the residents of Jackson
24: do not drink the water.
23: Multiple failures of the city's troubled water plant had left the city unable to purify the water and maintain pressure.
24: The city cannot produce enough water to fight fires, to reliably flush toilets, and to meet other Critical needs. The
23: Good. governor has declared a state of emergency. The state will begin repairs on the city owned water treatment plant immediately. The National Guard will assist in emergency drinking water distribution.
10: Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition, in partnership with the City of Jackson, will distribute bottled water daily. Locations and times can be found at supertalk.fm. This is day
5: two of safety digging class. Why call 811? Do you see this picture?
4: Yeah, it's a dog house.
5: No, it's where my wife and I live because I failed to call 811, hit a gas line, and blew up my house.
4: Ah, one of them tiny, tiny houses. Is it roomy? (laughs) Next question Hello, Sam here from
8: Mississippi 811. Calling 811 two working days before digging is the law, and it's always the right thing to do.
3: mississippiable.com
10: the average american's life expectancy has dropped two years in a row fox's steve harrigan in atlanta has the latest
19: if you go back in u.s history you have to go a hundred years to see such a drop in life expectancy just three years ago the average american lived to age 79 right now that number is down to 76 and health officials say it's not just covid that is driving the drop Fentanyl deaths in the U.S. over the past three years are up more than 56%, and over the last year alone, more than 108,000 Americans died from opioids. Ordinarily, life expectancy in the U.S. is measured in months, but the U.S. lost two years in 2020, almost another year in
10: 2021. Black Americans experienced an even larger drop in life expectancy, losing more than three years. The gap between genders also widened with women living on average six years longer than men.
0: When you listen to Super Talk, you hear our team working for you. Great information. Drilling down and getting to the core of the issues that impact you. They
12: give you like the information you need to know. Super Talk Mississippi.
7: Looking for something fun you and your family can do this weekend? Join Rebecca Turner every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. during Good Things to learn more about statewide events and happenings. Sponsored by the Mississippi Main Street Association.
25: Hey, it's Richard Cross from Sports Talk Mississippi. Join us every day for the college football fix driven by Ford. Speaking of Ford, you already know that Ford trucks are built for Tough and that the full line of Ford vehicles are built for the future. But did you know about the Ford Blue Advantage? When looking to buy a used Ford, it has everything on your used vehicle. Checklist: A gold-certified 172-point inspection, a comprehensive limited warranty backed by Ford, a Carfax report, and even a 14-day, 1,000-mile money-back guarantee. The Ford Blue Advantage used car buying that's built for you.
3: Midday Super Talk, Mississippi. We are live in the Element Wells Studios on this hump day. we made it this far. I don't think I'm going anywhere uh, as far as remotes for a while. At least Looking not the rest the of the schedule. week. No, not the, not the rest of the week. They better let me know. I've been on the road, though, quite a bit. It's been fun. I like getting out um, and seeing the beautiful Magnolia State. And you know, that drive up there to West Point. It's uh, with everything being four lane. It's actually pretty enjoyable. It's not bad at all. So anyhow, back in the Element Well Studios, Russ Latino, the president of Empower Mississippi. Russ, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. It's been a little while. It has. It has. Uh, nothing's going on though, so we can just close it up <laughs> now. <laughs> We've been talking about. Uh, we're we're going. We had you here because we want to talk about this whole student loan situation, but the city of Jackson. I know you have got uh, some feelings on that. (laughs) Needless to say, um, uh, you being the uh, well thought uh, policy uh, intellect that you are, always appreciate your insight. Uh, I've got some feelings on it as well, as you might sure, sure. But uh,
26: this you being the well thought policy intellect that you are, I
3: appreciate that. I don't know about that, but you you know, uh, it's just a common sense sort of deal. We've been talking a lot about uh, how do we get here. And certainly, we we need to do uh, some introspect analysis of that, no doubt about it. But mainly so it doesn't happen again. I mean, a, We can't fix what happened in the past, how we get here. But the biggest thing is, where do we go from here? And uh, I'm hearing everything from, let's get the federal government uh, to just write a check, bail the city out. Uh, there are some rumors that the state may exercise its authority, and I must admit, I'm not familiar with what sort of authority, maybe you can help us with that, the state would have in terms of so-called taking over the city. There's rumors of that, as you know, swirling around. Um, And and then, so you got that going on. And then there's also ideas that you were just sharing with before we uh, came on the air about, well, let's go ahead and get the ARPA money that was showered upon us, let's get that. in the works and get something going.
26: Well, Your thoughts? Yeah, a few thoughts. I mean, one, I think we've got to have a strong Jackson to have a strong Mississippi. It's our capital Agreed. city. Uh, we need to to all be a part of figuring out how to fix the problems that are there and they're substantial problems. I think we've got to stop ignoring the fact that there are problems there for fear of of uh, accusations uh, because of some of the delicacies associated with um, the, the city and the way that people perceive the city. I think that we've got to look at it and say, okay, there's this is massive problem with water. It's unsafe for the people to drink. It's unsafe for people to live their lives. It's unsafe for businesses to operate and make living. Um, and so we got to do something about it. There are, to me, the the importance of understanding the problem isn't just so that we don't repeat it. It's designing a solution requires us to understand how we got oh, there. Sure. Um, and so I would say this is not something that is a byproduct of flooding. Flooding is the straw that broke the camel's back. This is a decades-in-the-making problem with deferred maintenance on a system. It's a decades-in-the-making problem with failure to actually bill for water, which means there's insufficient funds to maintain the system. Agree. A- and it's a failure in terms of staffing. Uh, O.B. Curtis is not that old of a facility. It really isn't. I think it's 20 20 years old, give or take. Right. Um, We just have inadequate staffing. In fact, the EPA has said that we have inadequate qualified staffing to to run the thing. So all of those are are real sort of long-term problems that have to be addressed if you want to fix it. I'd look at it, though, and say this, that there are numbers floating around that people have thrown out about what it would take to fix it. Nobody knows because the analysis that's required to really know what is wrong with the system has not been done. And it costs money and it, to and do it, the analysis. And it does cost money. Um, but I also know that the city of Jackson got $42 million in American Rescue Plan Act money, um, which they are allowed to use for water infrastructure. Right. I know that Hines County got $45 million, uh... directly, uh, their portion. And you look at that, and you're talking about $87 million that could immediately be applied to the problem. And then you realize the state opened up their ARPA money to matching. So if Jackson and Hines County decide to put all $87 million up into the state's matching program, we're talking about $174 million in quick access that can be used to fix OB Curtis, to fix the meter system, because after all of this, we still don't have... Uh, a system that really works for billing in Jackson. Um, you look at all of that and you go, that's a real start. And so even if you accept some of the ridiculous numbers that are floating around, it would cost two billion to replace the entire system sort of thing. you got to realize that it's better to spend $174 million now to get water back to people immediately. Take one bite at the elephant and then we can talk about what a long-term plan looks like to finish eating the elephant.
3: Yeah, I mean we at least got to get back to a point where we have functioning flow of potable water. I mean, that's that's the problem we have right now. And you can't have economic activity without that. Yep. You can't produce revenue without economic activity. So it's a huge old catch-22,
26: but we got to at least get back to that. Well, it becomes a death spiral, right? Um, due to your point, if business goes out of Jackson then employment goes out of Jackson, Um, and your your tax base gets smaller and smaller, so your ability to actually address these things gets harder and harder. I, I do think at some level it's worth considering the idea that, one, some of the problems that Jackson's facing are not wholly Jackson, in the sense that geographically the reservoir and the Pearl River Contribute to some of the issues that they Agree. deal with. Agree. And those are, you know, those come through communities that are not Jackson. Um, so, in a, in a degree, it is a regional question. Um, and then the, the system itself is not limited to Jackson proper, right? Um, certainly, there are services that are offered as far north as like, Ridgeland um, with sewage. Um, and there's water service that's offered all the way down to Byram. Right. So you look at that and go, well, perhaps the right approach to this is something similar to what Haley Barber did post-Katrina with a regional utility district that allows people who have a stake in the game in the area to have a voice in how resources get spent to fix the problem, recognizing that the impact of the problem extends beyond Jackson proper. Yep. yep.
3: Yeah, to- totally agree. Uh, and and also also totally accept and appreciate your assessment that we can we can't just write the city off within the state. It it uh, we are all affected positively and negatively by the status uh, of the city of 100%. the capital city.
26: A hundred percent. We need to be committed to a strong Jackson. That's not a a white versus black right. thing. It's not a Republican versus Democrat thing. The state needs a strong capital city. Right. Um, and the reality is, you know, a lot of people want to put these things in terms of of sort of polarizing concepts. You're in team Republican or team Democrat. This is somehow a racial question. It's none of those things. There are white people who are living in Jackson that are being affected. There are black people who are living in Jackson that are being affected. And until we stop deflecting. From our faults by pointing fingers at other people, we're not going to fix the problems that are ultimately in the interest of the people that we're supposed to be serving. And I think, you know, I think this has got to be a state and local solution where we come together, figure out the extent of the problem, the cost of fixing it, a timeline, and who's going to execute it, and then put the resources to bear to fix the problem.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, I think, however, uh, from an accountability perspective, I think it's fair to say that there is a low level of confidence that uh, this large amount of money, you, you, you pointed out, we could get to $175 million pretty rapidly, but to just transfer that to the current administration and, and it, for, for it to be overseen by them, I think is problematic for most people.
26: I think you're looking at it from the perspective of if you're using state money, which includes state taxpayer money from places that are not Jackson, then state leaders owe it to somebody in Tishaminga County to be able to say, hey look, we're going to use some of your resources to invest in the capital city, um, but we're going to make sure that it gets used responsibly. Um, and, And you look at the context of we're in the middle of litigation right now where the mayor of Jackson tried to veto the veto of his own city council which is an absurd concept (laughs) um, to hire his own garbage crew so what you can't possibly do is open yourself up to the scenario where there's a Richards Water Service suddenly doing things right there, there's got to be an actionable plan that the state can say we're willing to invest in that plan. It can't just be a demand for revenue.
3: I agree with you, and I, and I'll say again, I, I still think a lot of these problems are rooted in the uh, deeply flawed and corrupt procurement process we have in the state. I just do, and that's been going on for a long time. We got Russ Latino, president of Empower Mississippi. We'll continue this discussion, and then we're going to start talking about this whole student loan situation. <laughs> like we don't have enough on our plate here. We're coming right back. We're in the Element Well Studios.
10: If you've found the keeper in
8: your life, whether you've just started dating or you've been married for decades, we've built an entire store just for you. Juniker Jewelry Company, we are Mississippi's direct
21: diamond importer. I'm John Ravenstein. I'm Rachel and I'm Corey Ravenstein with 10 times the diamonds, gauge rings, and wedding bands you'll find in average jewelry stores. All
8: at the guaranteed best price in the state. We have the perfect diamond to express the will of your heart. No other jeweler in the state has more fine diamonds of every size, shape, in price range than Junikers. So whether you're looking for your first engagement ring or that second diamond you've always wanted to give her but now can afford if you've found the love of your life, come to Juniker Jewelry Company because she's a keeper. Come experience the most trusted
27: name in jewelry for over 75 years now. Juniker Jewelry Company, Mississippi's direct diamond importer. 1485 Highland Colony Parkway, just south of 463 in Madison and junikerjewelry.com.
2: I'm Denman Ferguson, realtor with Four Corner Properties, serving Mississippi and beyond. Whether you're looking to buy or sell a home or wanting a special family recreational hunting track, give me a call and
8: I will assist you throughout the process from searching, listing to closing. Call me, Denman, at 601-214-6433 or call the office at 601-952-2828. Please call me with all your real estate
3: needs. Thank you.
17: This Hour of Middays with Gerard Gibbert is sponsored by Innovative Health Clinic in Ridgeland for personalized in-office treatment for urinary incontinence, erectile dysfunction, and
8: neuropathy. They help you get your life back. Be sure and check out the newly remodeled Basils in Fondren, where you get simple food done well. And don't forget to drop by Basils Fountain View at the Renaissance. Go to eatbasils.com for online ordering for both locations. That's Basils.
25: Richard Cross, be sure to catch Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for the best sports coverage right here in the Magnolia State. Every day from 3 until 6, right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3. The talk
12: that
0: keeps Mississippi talking. We're
4: rolling. Hit it, go. Play it.
0: Middays with Gerard Gippert on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: and end this segment here on Middays. We are back in the Element Wealth Studios. Our guest is Russ Latino, president of Empower Mississippi. So Russ, on the C Spire text line you were talking about the, uh, the money that could be made available in fairly short order, which includes some matching funds from the state in accordance to, to the state program to do so. And uh, so the question is, is this discussion about giving all of the ARPA and matching monies to one city's broken system without regard of others? No. no we're not no, suggesting I that. Mean
26: uh, my recollection is what 1.8 billion was right. the state kitty so, to the state. Right. So so we'd be talking about 87 million of that 1.8 billion. Right. Um, that would be applied to, to one city to then the county to, to the or Jacks, Jackson and Hines County, and then again, like I said, there are elements of that water and sewage system that affect even up into Madison County. That's right. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, but it's also if you look at it in terms of population, um, you know, it's our largest population center as well. No doubt. So, it would it would not be an unreasonable investment of the resources given the dire need given the size of the population, the percentage of the overall sort of pot that we're talking about. I think what you need to ensure is that there's an actionable plan to do something with it that actually benefits the people of Jackson. Yeah, I I, I agree. So, and I can tell you, uh, folks, that
3: uh, every state, uh, excuse me, every city leader that I have interviewed uh, since the ARPA was uh, enacted, a number, of course, at the Mississippi Municipal League Conference, but several others, of course, over the last year, I've always asked them. Do you have your plan? Have you submitted your plan to the state for your matching piece? Because if you remember, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, that was like the first thing out of his mouth when that money came down, is you cities were going to do this matching thing, go get your plans together and make yeah. sure that you can participate. Here. Well, so, tomor-
26: tomorrow is, the uh, my understanding, the opening of the application process. That's, right. That. that's so, right. So literally, if you think about this in terms of timing, if Jackson has a plan, if they've been preparing for this, Knowing that there's been a problem for years and the EPA has been entering consent orders and everything else for years. right? If they know how to fix it and the money has been the problem, they can put a plan on someone's desk tomorrow to start getting matching funds. Totally agree. I I just believe
3: it needs to be done uh, with proper oversight that uh, is independent of the city.
26: And, so. and look, if they don't have a plan, then they need to uh, to exercise the humility of saying we need help figuring out how to fix this. I totally thing. agree. Totally agree.
3: And uh, the the mayor did indicate yesterday that he is uh, he is grateful for uh, the assistance. He welcomes the state's help. So we'll see where that goes. That's what he said. "Quote: We are grateful for the assistance." Unquote. So hopefully something will happen because. Uh, and this also, unfortunately, as you know, Russ, it reflects on the state, across the country, the perception out there. I have actually received some calls from from friends outside of Mississippi. You guys okay? You have water? Yeah. I understand? Because you know they it's, they don't know where the boundaries are and whose system's serving who, and it's making national news is not uh, the good kind of news you want for the state of Mississippi. So, and then you've got how this affects economic development as well when you have these kinds of things
26: going on. No water, no power, no economic development projects. Which is why it's a bigger-than-Jackson problem, right? Agree. Um, There's a lot of human suffering going on in Jackson right now, but if you want to talk about why somebody in Biloxi should care about this, it's because the impact on the state's economy is pretty substantial. No doubt about it. No, absolutely no b- doubt about it. All right, uh, student
3: loans. I know you've written a piece on that as well. Sure, you've got uh, some uh, some uh, some very deep feelings, and and I do as well. But we kind of knew this was coming. I felt like it was, and and you know, I think the the uh, impetus was that the uh, the moratorium on the pause on repayment was scheduled uh, to expire today as a matter of fact. And I think that they, the Democrats effectively pushed the President into, okay, well, you don't want that to happen on your watch in advance of midterms, and everybody's got to resume payment of their student loans. Why don't you just go ahead and wipe out some of this debt? And By the way,
26: extend the moratorium out until after the midterms as well. Yeah. Um you know, there, there are multiple layers to this thing. The first thing I would say is that there are serious questions about the constitutionality of the act itself. Uh, it will end up being challenged in court, and I suspect it will end up being getting heard by the Supreme Court at some stage. Uh, whether or not the president can just waive uh, debt uh, through executive order is questionable. Um, so there's that. I, I think there's the element of this that is potentially inflationary even though it might feel nice if you're a beneficiary. Uh, Jason Furman, who was uh, President Obama's senior economic advisor, has come out and said, this is actually really bad policy the way this was designed. It's going to contribute to the inflationary environment that we're in. Yep. Um, so there's the, the sort of larger macro effect that arguably is negative. You know, I, I think a lot of conservatives will look at it and just say, as a matter of principle, you agreed to, to pay back a debt for a service that was being given. You need to pay your debt. Um, I look at it uh, uh, with a little bit more nuance th- than that, in this sense. I-, I do think that people should exercise personal responsibility. But I think the entire system is broken. I think the entire system of financing college, the import that we put on college for everyone, is broken. And part of that is because student loans are back federally. So you know this, that if you want to go buy a car right now, You'd go and you'd say, here's my income level. Here are my assets. And then the bank's going to make a decision on whether or not they're going to give you money to buy that car. So they're actually analyzing the risk associated with giving you the money. Student loans don't have that, and it's because the federal government backs them. That's right. So there's no risk profile created. There's no cost-benefit analysis considered. There's no consideration of ability to repay or what default might look like. Those are all things that normally would be associated with lending practices. So if you're a college, the great thing about that is... You don't, it doesn't matter whether or not you're providing valuable education to someone such that they can get out and be more marketable than when they got there. It doesn't matter if a student who's taking underwater basket weaving or something, you know, trophy yep. um, is going to be more productive once they get out because if they can't pay it back, the federal government's going to take care of it. Yep. Um, and so there's no incentive on the part of the college to make sure that the scope of education is such that if all this money is being taken out in loans by students, that at the end of the day, that value is added back in their ability to go out and make a higher salary. Sure. So absent that, we've got a system where there's moral hazard, both on the part of the student who just sees free money and on the part of the college that is less concerned about the actual outcome of a kid coming out of college. Um, to me, that's a recipe for disaster. And candidly, just forgiving student loans doesn't fix it at all. Right. Um, You know, in fact, all it does is make it more likely uh, that that system continues where there's not a direct connection between the money being taken out of loans and the value that is added to the student who takes out that money in loans.
3: Yeah. uh, A a great analysis. Appreciate that, Russ. So, you know, a couple of things I'll, I'll make a point of is that a lot of people, rightfully so, are angered because this is a targeted group. This is a targeted group. This only benefits directly those who actually presently have student loans. That's who it benefits. And of course, only if their income is below the $125,000 threshold or 250 for a household. So those who don't have student loans those who paid off their student loans. Those who consolidated their student loans. I got you. I hear you. I understand. Yeah. So it's All that uh, means that you're excluded from the group of beneficiaries, and so it is rightfully perceived as unfair, and those that are not benefiting feel like, well, I'm paying for a benefit you're getting. I get all that. But I'll just point this out. The government's not going to send those who are, feel like they're absorbing the cost of, of uh, others, they're not going to send you a bill for it. Um, they're not going to raise your taxes for it. How it manifests, if at all, would be through the inflationary impact. Sure. But on the other hand, why don't we equally get incensed at the, um, at the $30 trillion of debt we have on the books, uh, over a third of which came about in the last three years, Sure. which is the reason we got 8.5% uh, 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 inflation right now. So it, this is
26: 1% of that. I'm not saying it's nothing, but it depends on whose math you look at, but somewhere between 1% and 2%. So so where I would not even disagree with you, but just add some, some color commentary okay. is you're right in the sense that current taxpayers aren't suddenly going to pay back right there's not going to be a bill sent to gerard saying hey russ got a ten thousand dollar check Well, you contribute a dollar fifty right but i do think that you're in a scenario where you're making the economy considerably weaker over time not You're creating moral hazard and it's future taxpayers that are on the line for this it's not people right now it's 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 a deferred cost on the future taxpayers Agree. because of the 30 trillion in debt. Agree. But I I'll I'll,
3: uh, I'll add this nuance to that. It's really not taxpayers. It's all consumers. Sure. Th- th- this brunt that we'll have to bear financial burden we'll have to bear. It's not taxpayers. It's everybody. Not just taxpayers. Yeah. It's not like because hell we know now half the tax, half the households didn't pay any taxes. You hang around. We yeah, can talk can. some more. We got Russ Latino, president of Empower Mississippi, in the Element Well Studios. We'll be right back.
5: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, a 20% chance of rain, mostly sunny, high near 91. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 69. Beautiful day on tap for Thursday, mostly sunny, high near 90 degrees. And finally, Friday, a 60% chance of showers, partly sunny, high near 90 degrees. This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha Outboard dealer in Brandon.
10: I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Monday night, Governor Tate Reeves declared a state of emergency over Jackson's water crisis, and the state created an incident command center to assist in the water treatment facility's endeavors. Jack Callahan has more.
23: A stark warning from Governor Tate Reeves for the residents of Jackson.
24: Do not drink the water.
23: Multiple failures of the city's troubled water plant have left the city unable to purify the water and maintain pressure. The
24: city cannot produce enough water to fight fires, to reliably flush toilets, and to meet other needs.
23: The governor has declared a state of emergency. The state will begin repairs on the city-owned water treatment plant immediately. The National Guard will assist in emergency drinking water distribution.
10: Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition in partnership with the city of Jackson will distribute bottled water daily. Locations and times can be found at supertalk.fm.
15: Taylor Construction Equipment in Mississippi is your new dealer for Hyundai and Bell construction equipment. Our construction products range from articulated dump trucks, track carriers, hydraulic excavators, mini excavators, and wheel loaders. The best construction equipment names in the business. Hyundai and Bell are in stock and backed by Taylor's Sudden Service 24-7 service and support. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, or buy, call Taylor Construction Equipment at 833-773-3421 or taylorconstructionequipment.com. Um There's a
0: ton of content from Super Talk Mississippi on our new YouTube channel. Just search Super Talk Mississippi on YouTube or go to supertalk.fm slash YouTube. Be sure and subscribe for free to get the latest scoop on what's happening in Mississippi news, politics, sports, and the good things happening here in the state. Accurate information, in-depth analysis, and clear insight all in one place. The Gallo Radio Show with Paul Gallo. Mornings on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back everyone. Middays in the Element Well Studio. Super Talk, Mississippi. Don't forget coming up at twelve oh five, Sam Creekmore represents District 14. That's Union County, Mississippi. He's a good dude. He very much is, and he's gonna be talking about International Overdose Awareness Day and some state legislation that he's involved in dealing with drug education, drug courts in the state, et cetera. And I know Empower has some involvement in that as well. Je- Jeremy in Caledonia on the C Spire text line says, "I have two daughters that could benefit from the loan payoff, but I am not for it. I'm old school. You pay for what you owe. Appreciate that, Jerry. Uh, excuse me, Jeremy. And I-, I think a lot of people do feel that way. It's been uh, rather interesting. Russ is one way to describe it. To uh, consume the reaction sure. across the country. Uh, very much split. Seems to me down the middle. Pro." and uh, against student loan forgiveness. Some that are benefiting are against it. Some that are not are against it. Some that are benefiting are not only for it, they're screaming for more. Yeah. Now, I've, I've done some uh, there's a whole bunch of statistics, I know you've obviously consumed them as well, that are published by various organizations, and I try to cross-check them just to make sure they're, they're accurate and check their sources, but uh, some of the interesting statistics about who actually has the debt, of course, the higher the degree or the longer you stay in the college, more the more debt you have yeah. i mean that's pretty common uh since uh, conclusion there, but I gotta tell you and i I hesitate to even say this there's a side of me that believes this has also got some racial. Undertones to it as well. And the NAACP came out and blasted this plan, by the way. Said, does not do enough for black people. Because black women, as a, as a demographic, are uh, their households have the percentage of their households have more debt than any others. They are more likely to go into student debt, enter into student debt to fund their education than any other demographic. Uh, and of course, the White House says ninety five percent of those who will benefit have incomes below seventy five grand. Um, and there's all kinds of statistics on ratios of of uh, debt to income. Sure, student debt to income. Not surprisingly, unfortunately, Mississippi has the highest.
26: Well, and look, though, even if you're talking about under seventy five grand, people with college degrees statistically make more money than people without college degrees. Yeah. So you are talking about a scenario where you're taking the top half of the country and giving them a benefit, even if you're cutting out the very top uh, from being eligible. You know, I think all of this, though, misses the point at some level. I I see the debate. There's legitimate points to be made on both sides of it. I'm looking at it going, if you don't address what actually caused the student loan debt to climb to 1.8 trillion or whatever it is. Yep. Um, then you're not actually doing anything but giving a temporary band-aid. It's you know, it's it might feel nice in the moment, but you've not fixed the problem. What actually has made college education so expensive? And I believe what has made college education so expensive is free money unchecked from any potential marketability gains. That come along with taking out that loan to get the education, right? And so, it allows colleges to uh, to spend an awful lot of money on climbing walls and lazy rivers and all sorts of nice amenities to attract students in, and the student almost becomes a mark. Yep, it's like we know that you can get money. So how do we make this super attractive? And by making it super attractive, we're going to make it super expensive. Yep. Right. So look at the inflation numbers on college. I mean, we've been talking about inflation across consumer spending for the last eighteen months. Yep. It it pales in the comparison to half a century of college tuition increases. We're talking five x the the standard inflation rate over that same time period and it's because we've made access to capital so easy with no consequence or no consideration of the actual outcomes. Are we making that student better off when they emerge from college? Are they able to more easily take care of their families when they emerge from college? And if we're letting somebody take out two hundred thousand dollars in student loans for a job that will yield a thirty thousand dollar a year income, that seems like a broken system to me. No doubt about it. It seems fundamentally like a broken system. And I hold students responsible for signing that paper. I do. Even at 18 I think there's some personal responsibility associated with that. But we've got to be willing to look at it and say other people have skin in this game and are profiting from what is a broken system.
3: Totally agree. Absolutely agree. Um, uh, Just imagine (laughs) if, if I were in the private sector uh, and I was selling a, a product or service that the the government was essentially uh, backing up the payment for, uh, I could probably sell a whole lot more of it. And that's really sure. what this is. And you could do it without any traditional free market uh, measures to balance and it out. And why
26: do you need to control cost? Right. You, you don't. There's, there's no There's no
3: incentive to do so. No motivation to do so.
26: And so that's a real problem that gets paid off later by some guy who's going, I went 200 grand into debt for a 30 grand a year job. No doubt about it. Look, I had friends when I was at Tulane that did that. Tulane had a school of social work, it was one of the better schools of social work. They got out and became social workers. That is a noble profession. No doubt. But if you're sitting on 200K in debt, it's difficult.
3: They never get out. Never get out. Yeah. You never get out. And so a couple of other um, reforms that were included in uh, this President's plan that I found interesting. I was talking to Rhino about before we came on the air, when you look at these these various income-based repayment mechanisms that are available. So before he signed off on this order, the uh, income-based repayment process, the structure, was uh, limited, your payments were were limited to 10 percent of what's defined as your discretionary income. Well, that's been half to 5 percent when payments resume, if they ever resume. The other thing is, after paying for 20 years at at that level, the remaining debt forgiven. That's been in place for a while. That has now been half to 10 years. So the amount you're going to pay is going to be cut, and then the length you're going to pay is going to be cut for those that will continue to pay on their student debt. So that was a kind of a major change. That's why Penn Wharton came out and said, "Eh, this is more like a trillion-dollar example when you start figuring in the cost of money over that period of time with all all those adjustments. Honestly, until I started digging into this income-based repayment structure, I wasn't aware of that, that that's how it worked and that you had this automatic forgiveness after 20 years of paying. But there's going to be a lot of of people that are going to have zero payments when payments resume, zero cost, zero dollar monthly payments
26: when they resume, because they also change the way discretionary income is computed. So so there are two thoughts that I've got on how you could potentially fix this. Um, one is to allow the debt to be dischargeable in bankruptcy, which would certainly give some, uh, some interest on the part of the government or lenders. Uh, to run better assessments on the front end. Yep. Um, the other thought process is uh, to essentially create a a larger segment that the college is responsible for in the in the event of a default. Yeah. Um, which would create some incentive for a college to say, Hey, we're not going to keep offering programs that aren't actually marketable programs. The final thing is to say the federal government shouldn't be backing student loans, or it should be limited in how it backs student loans. Well, doesn't this just bring up the fundamental question, though, Russ, that what is the
3: role of the federal government? I mean, this really is a question. Yeah. I mean, it really is because we have thirty one trillion dollars in debt that I would argue to a great extent is because we sort of went outside of our swim lane of a, of the sure. constitutional function of government and we spent a bunch of money for stuff we shouldn 't have
26: yeah, I mean my perspective is article one section eight is the is the functional okay. role of of the federal government, but that hasn 't been the case well, a long time for a very long time right I, I will say this though because you made this point earlier, and I think it 's important. Yes, we're $30 trillion in debt. And what does that even mean at this point? Yeah. Um, but I, I sort of, whenever people say, hey, we're already $30 trillion in debt, so why not another trillion? I look at that and say, well, would you say if you had been cut seven times by a knife, I've been cut seven times, so cut me an eighth and ninth? <laughs> like, you know, like, or, or you punched me four times so you, you can punch me a fifth. What's the big deal? Yeah. I, at some point, you have to make measure to stop the bleeding. I think people believe that the music will always continue in the United States. But if we don't at some point restore fiscal sanity, the music will stop and we will be left without a chair to sit in. Yeah. And it, it just strikes me that we have had so much. We've been a country with so great of a lifestyle, so high of incomes, so great a quality of life that we become accustomed to it and we don't realize that you know if we lose reserve currency status in the world as an example suddenly a lot of what we're living at goes down really really quickly in terms of quality of life we'll all get hurt no doubt about it So yeah. Um, anyhow you want to come
3: back for now i got another thought i want to share with you if you can stay yeah, around yeah, yeah, yeah sure yeah, we got russ latino president of empower mississippi it's just uh, you're you're great Uh, discussion about uh, finding the root cause, whether it's water or education. Sure. Let's talk about that when we come back. Russ Latino, president of Empower Mississippi.
5: Your next deal on wheels is at Pinnacle Motors. Head on over to Highway 471 at Baker Lane and Vine Street in Brandon for that no-hassle experience on your next pre-owned car, truck, or SUV. Classics? From a 57 Chevy to a Corvette, we have those, too. And grab that trailer to pull that four-wheeler, ATV, or tractor as well. Financing, warranties, and we'll buy your vehicle, too. Pinnacle Motors is the place for you. Visit us online at PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. That's PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. Quality vehicles,
24: affordable prices. Pinnacle Motors.
20: This is the Midday market Report. The Chinese government has suspended pork imports from Tyson Fresh Meats Incorporated Processing Plant in Logansport, Indiana, pointing to issues with the company's pig feet purchased by China. The suspension comes at a time when seasonal demand for pork in China is growing due to cooler weather and upcoming festivals in the country. According to a statement released by Tyson, the company hopes to restore those exports. We work closely with the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food and Safety Inspection Service to ensure that we produce all of our food in full compliance with government safety requirements, according to the statement released by Tyson. We're confident that our products are safe, and we're hopeful consultations between the U.S. and Chinese governments will resolve this matter. I'm Dixon Williams, and this... Is SuperTalk Mississippi, Agri News Network. From the ground up, from the grassroots. That's how we began in
4: 1922, and that's how we do things today.
3: Welcome back, everyone. Middays in the Element Wealth Studios, Super Talk Mississippi. Uh, Rhino, please give the kangaroo a sedative. Because the kangaroo on the market is jumping all over the place. In a tranquilizer dart. <laughs> so uh, Aaron from Madison asks on the C Spire text line, what about new student loans? So I haven't dug too terribly deep into the mechanics, but my understanding is it's as of a certain date, right, whatever's on the books. What's your understanding, Russ?
26: I think that's right. Um, you know, I, I think what I would say is, because I take this question a little differently, is like, what happens moving forward? Yeah, like, Is this a one-time thing, or are we entered into a situation where every few years we've got to do a new forgiveness? Um, and you made this point earlier that the reaction was interesting in that there were people who are more conservative in thought who said, well, you have a contractual obligation, you need to pay your own loan. And then there were people on the left side of the spectrum who said, well, clearly this is just not enough. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah you need to do a lot more. And so the the real sort of debate here is a debate over who ultimately is responsible for paying for college. I yeah, agree. And I think there probably is a certain element of the country that is not just looking from, for relief from debt that was too high relative to the degree that they obtained, Yeah, uh, but that fundamentally believe that the government has a responsible to, uh, responsibility to take care of people from cradle to grave. Um, And for lots of reasons, I don't believe that it's not constitutional. It's also not in the best interest of anybody Agree. um, for the government to take care of us from cradle to grave. If you you look at instances in our history where the government has treated people essentially as wards of the state, those people tend to end up in really bad situations. No doubt about it. Um, Success and prosperity are a byproduct of people being able to use their skills, their knowledge, their work ethic to create something valuable that other people see the value in and want to buy. Um, and and it is, um, it is a scary commentary if you look at it from a 30,000-foot view that this isn't just about debt relief. It really is about a movement towards more government subsistence for people, that treats people as dependents instead of as contributors. And I think that's a really sad thing for our country. Yeah. I'm totally with you, but we
3: have uh, sort of flipped to a point, Rhino and I talk about it regularly on the program. We're
26: already past the point of no no return? No,
3: I mean, there's this very, I think, um, um, pervasive attitude in this country that delayed gratification, rugged individualism, individual responsibilities are tenets of uh, European white uh, supremacy. And so, I mean, they're... they're oh, gosh, how many articles have we read and, and talked about, videos we've played? This is being taught in our school. It's being taught in the private sector,
26: even. That, and, that belief... that if you believe that having the freedom to earn prosperity for yourself, that is a form of Eurocentric white supremacy? If you're willing to sacrifice to do so, to wait for
3: some reward, some financial benefit down the road, delayed
26: gratification, yes. Well, these are the thoughts of children. Where, where, Where do they think money comes from? How do they think productivity happens? The one that shocked me... I mean, like these aren't serious thoughts by, by serious people. <laughs> well, I can tell you... Uh, I'm not but, saying it doesn't exist. Yeah.
3: I, I agree with you, and it's disturbing. It's what I call the march to mediocrity, but one of the first ones I remember us talking about here, this was in 2020, was Sandia Labs. These are the, this is the organization that produces America's uh, nuclear arsenal. And they, like so many other corporations, virtually every one in the country, they hire this third-party diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. They take all the executives off-site and they tell them that rugged individualism and having a can-do attitude are elements of white supremacy, and you got to just erase those out of your culture. A can-do attitude. You remember that Rhino?
26: I mean, we. And if, we you, if you believe that. in yourself, if you believe in yourself, that's white supremacy. Right yes I, I i can't think of anything more destructive than the idea of saying you shouldn't believe that you have the capability of achieving something that is great i, I, agree I cannot think of anything more destructive to the human spirit than that A, and it is that it is veiled in this sense of moral superiority is is, is abhorrent
3: the trainers taught that i'm reading it rugged individualism, a can-do attitude, hard work, and striving towards success are in fact, quote, devastating to women and people of color that they are rooted in, quote, white male culture, which leads to, quote, lowered quality of life at work, at home, reduced life expectancy, unproductive relationships, and high stress. It forces the, quote, white male standard. Until we
26: can decide what's good and bad... (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to grow the food? Who's going (laughs) to produce the technology? I mean, again, these are the thoughts of children who have lived a privileged life and don't realize what it takes to be successful. Okay. Anyway, well, you know,
3: I totally agree with you. It (laughs) incenses me. I get pretty fired up. You got got me fired up up today. (laughs) But and we got to keep sounding the alarm. We'll come right back. Thank you, Russ. Appreciate it. Sam Creekmore, our guest next.
21: News. I'm Chris Foster. The Justice Department in a court filing says more than 100 classified documents were recovered during the search of former President Trump's home in Florida. The filing includes a photograph of materials recovered during the August 8th search showing top secret
22: markings. Before a search warrant was obtained, the court filing says attorneys for former
21: President Trump claimed all records from the White House that remained at Mar-a-Lago were in a secure storage room. Fox's Jared Halpern, another state's close to enacting a near-total abortion ban.
14: A bill in South Carolinas legislature that could ban all abortions originally had no exceptions for rape or incest the bill failed in its first vote in south carolina's state house of representatives tuesday but it was quickly rewritten to include such exceptions
21: that's fox's evan brown florida house democrat charlie christ is resigning giving up his seat to focus on running for governor america's listening to fox news
18: As locals, ADS Security is committed to keeping the community safe. We're the same great company, same local office, with the same local service you've counted on for years. Visit us in Gluckstadt, ADS Security, 601-898-3105, call today.
7: Magnolia Health is made for Mississippi. A statewide network of specialists and primary care physicians at more than 17,000 locations. Community outreach programs,
28: Earlier today, the FDA authorized updated COVID-19 vaccine booster shots from Moderna and Pfizer. This is the first time updated COVID-19 vaccines have received emergency use authorization in the United States. Jared Halpern has the details. A new COVID booster shot
22: could be available to Americans in a matter of days after the FDA gave authorization to a new recipe made by Pfizer and Moderna. The new vaccines combine the original recipe with updates specifically for Omicron variants BA.4 and BA.5, considered the most contagious strains. The U.S. has already purchased more than 170 million doses. Pfizer says it can ship up to 15 million by the end of next week. Still, it's unclear how widespread new booster shots will be. Only about half of fully vaccinated Americans got a first recommended booster dose, and a third of those 50 and older eligible for a second booster did so.
27: Hey, lucky buck here it's time to have more fun more often that's right my little buckaroos the mississippi lottery will begin drawing
8: cash three and cash four twice a day but wait there's more add the fireball feature and you can increase your winnings and increase your odds of winning more times to play cash three and cash four more ways to win with fireball ah.
27: sounds like a winner to me have fun y'all
8: gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700
19: Hundreds of thousands of Mississippians Mississippi. like me yes, depend on public benefits for health care, food, and, and
9: housing. housing.
24: To receive these benefits, I, I cannot can have, have more than $2,000 in my name. With ABLE, Able I, I can
9: save, save for my future
24: without losing my much-needed much need benefit. benefits. I couldn't plan on savings before,
28: but, but now I am, I am Able. ABLE. Visit MississippiABLE.com to get started. As Mississippi's capital city remains under a boil water notice, Sarah Friedler, who serves as the general manager of one of Jackson's most historic restaurants, Brent's Drugs, talks about the challenges restaurants in the city are facing.
15: We have to boil all of our water. It adds so many more steps and it's just scary because day to day we don't know what will happen.
28: In addition, Friedler mentioned that the restaurant spending has increased due to the need to outsource beverages.
15: We have to outsource all of our drinks. Um, which is very expensive for the business.
28: Earlier today, President Joe Biden approved the state of Mississippi's emergency declaration regarding Jackson's water crisis. Now FEMA is authorized to identify, mobilize, and provide equipment and resources necessary to alleviate the impacts of the emergency. For more Mississippi news, sports, and politics, visit us online at supertalk.fm. With Supertalk Mississippi News, I'm Caleb Sailors.
15: Taylor Construction Equipment in Mississippi is your new dealer for Hyundai and Bell Construction Equipment. Our construction products range from articulated dump trucks, track carriers, hydraulic excavators, mini excavators, and wheel loaders. The best construction equipment names in the business. Hyundai and Bell are in stock and backed by Taylor's Sudden Service 24-7 service and support. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, or buy, call Taylor Construction Equipment at 833-773-3421 or taylorconstructionequipment.com.
8: All well, the folks in the Capital City metro area, love to have you join me tomorrow morning, 6 till 9, Gallo Show. We'll start your day the informed way, Super Talk Mississippi 97.3. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful
0: conversation with people from around the state. Hello, 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 hello. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi
3: Welcome back everyone hour 3 of middays coming at you live from the Element Well Studios Super Talk Mississippi Gerard and Rhino Go to MyElementWealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. Joining us now in the Element Wealth studio, Sam Creekmore. He represents District 16, which includes uh, Union County, Mississippi. Representative Creekmore, thanks for coming on, sir. Thank you, Gerard, and I want to say thanks to Rhino. I requested some Journey.
27: Okay, before. absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I knew you were a Journey fan. Yes, I am sir. Too. Awesome. Awesome.
3: So. Yeah, we got that uh, uh, teasing us into the segments uh, sometimes, but at the top of the hour when we flip over from the news, got a little journey music to oh, get yeah. us fired up. We appreciate <laughs> that, too. All right, so today, as I understand it, is International Overdose Awareness Day. So tell us about that. It's a sobering topic,
27: but yes, it is. It's every August 31st, and, and let me just give you a backstory how this came about last summer. We had a hearing in Judd B. about the drug problems in the state of Mississippi, and it's a hearing that I reluctantly, I'm on Judd B., I was going to go, but it, you know, it wasn't something I was looking forward to. Sure. And very, very tough conversations, Very, uh, just very sensitive and, and sad stories. And then at the end of the the hearing, uh, Nick Bain, one of your friends, yeah, sure. you know, mine, and yeah. chairman of Judd B., says, all right, we're going to form a committee, and Creekmore's going to head it up. To study this issue, so that was all new to me right then. So it's not something I, you know, went into w- wanting to do. But once once I got into it and, and really uncovered s- this issue, I mean, we have a serious serious epidemic in this country and in the state of drug use and drug overdose, and it, it's killing it's killing our people. And and today, and thank you for having me on, especially yeah. today on Overdose Awareness Day. But we we need to remember. The families that have lost loved ones and the stigma that comes with it, and and remove that stigma, and let's pray and 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 love those people because they're hurting every day from this epi- terrible epidemic. And so many times, Gerard, that these aren't illicit drug users all the time. Some of them they're taking a pill for the first time, and it's laced with fentanyl, and it kill you know it kills them. Yeah, fentanyl. It took the size of a grain of salt's enough to kill you. And these are being manufactured by people who aren't pharmacists. And and four out of ten, forty percent of the drugs on the street today are laced with fentanyl. Forty percent. Forty percent. So it's like playing Russian. And they disguise it as well, right? They do. And they make these pills where they're just like a pharmaceutical cell pill. It's got an initial on it or a number. I mean it's 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 scary. And so <laughs> And some other sobering facts, and this these just blow me away. 2021, the most deaths in the history of our country. Over 100,000, an overdose. Children, Gerard, children ages 10 to 14, the deaths had tripled since
20: 2019.
27: Dang. I mean, this is mm. I mean, un, un, incredible. The number one cause of deaths in people 18 to 45 is drug overdose. It's not cancer. It's not a car wreck. It's not a gunshot. It's overdose. And what are we doing about it? You know, we read this stuff in the in the newspapers and you know we we came up the legislature did pass uh, the Pill Press Bill, which mm-hmm. which is part of it that came out of this subcommittee, but you know, that's the only thing so far we've been able to do and we've got other legislation. But let me, let me keep on going with this. Seventy percent of the drug deaths in Mississippi Are due to fentanyl. Wow! (laughs) Wow! Over five hundred thousand have died in this country in the last three years. So I mean, I'm not making this up. These are the sobering facts. And you know, we can't control. Where's fentanyl coming from? It's odorless. It's tasteless. It's coming across the border, and that's a disaster. And that's a whole other subject. But it's coming across the border in large numbers. You can get it through the mail. You can get off the dark web, and it's you, mm-hmm. we, we can't detect it. Um, so it, it's so easy to get. So how do we combat this? And you know, part of part of what we came up with out of this committee is, is education. We've got to educate our people. I've learned so much just being through the committee and, and yeah. then studying. Um, and then I, I do want to say well, there are some superstars and advocates f- for drug education in our in our state. Dr. Catherine Pannell. Huge, and she's been on this show, yep. and on Super, no, as a friend of Supertop. She's helped me tremendously, and I, I want to say to the the Capitol staff, Gwinnetta Tatum, and one of the lawyers there, and, and their staff has been so helpful in gathering and helping craft a bill to help combat this um, drug issue we have in our state. But here, here's the deal, you know, we start with education. We currently have a tobacco advisory and tobacco education thanks to the, leg, uh, the lawsuit back in the day when we went over the uh, tobacco companies. Well, yeah. that's been effective. Tobacco use has gone down in the state of Mississippi. Vaping's on the rise, and you make the case, well, it's, that's replacing it. But the simple fact is back tobacco use has gone down. Hmm. Dr- education works. Every child... Every person, even you, at some point in your life, have to make a decision when you are faced with the choice of taking an illegal drug or not. Where does this drug come from? And the more educated you are, the better chance you are going to make the right decision. And and right, currently we have no—I mean, we're relying on parents and relying on hopefully the teachers and the schools, but there is no program to educate people, even parents, on on drug education and the seriousness. Of how just one pill can kill you, and how fentanyl, how potent it is. So we've got a bill, and it's it's parlaying with the tobacco bill or the education that we have already. Okay. And so it's the money's there. It's 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 parlaying with that, and it's going to teach the children the seriousness of illegal drugs, where it comes from, the seriousness of fentanyl. And and so it's a simple it's not a simple fix but that is a that's our first step. We had the bill last year It passed the house overwhelmingly. It was the education part was tabled in with a um, with the drug court bill too. And the drug courts another subject which we can get into. But uh, this year it it didn't it didn't make out of committee in the senate. I don't know why, but this year we're doing the bill separate. We're going to have drug court as a separate bill and the drug education as, as its own standalone. And I, I, I believe it'll pass the House. I talked to the Speaker yesterday. Um, I, there'll be a lot. It, it was overwhelming in the House last year, and I'm, I'm, my friends in the Senate. I hope, and I think they'll take it up. And yeah. I think because you know, not doing anything is killing people. So we, it's urgent. It's something we got to so, do. So
3: Sam, would this this bill, this drug education bill, this would uh, require schools in the state? It would. We require them to teach it, right? We'd and would they receive some funding uh, for that? F-
27: the funding's there. We're okay. going to use part of that. Okay. Tobacco. Model. Okay, right. That's the point you're making. We're gotcha. just adding, and the tobacco council, which I'm on, right. I, after being on this subcommittee, I asked the, the speaker can a nominate can nominate somebody. I said, Yeah, put me on this committee, please. Okay. He said, go, go ahead. And uh, so in th- that, and the Department of Health would oversee, which they do now, the tobacco program, but they would oversee the curriculum for the drug okay. education.
3: Okay. But, <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Thank
27: you. I, I I feel like I'm speaking Chinese sometimes to people. No, it's it, a no-brainer. It, it's, but it's a no-brainer, and we've got to educate. And then, and it's not just school. In in the bill is also for media to, because parents need sure. to know. I mean, I've learned so much. Sure. And Gerard, I've got a, a sophomore in college, and <laughs> before last summer, he was going into his freshman year. And you, after that hearing, we had a long sit-down talk. Uh, please, son, just be very, very careful what you do and who you hang with, and and so, um, and I still have to remind him. And good boy, sweet Lou. I'm not talking bad about you, but uh, you know, it's just one time sure can can be too many sure, and and so that that's man we got we got to educate and and that's what oh, this day is for too to bring to, to bring awareness mm. to to this mm. to this issue. But we can't pass this bill fast enough. I mean, <laughs> I, if we had a special session, I'd ask the Speaker to take it up. And, and you know, if we're do, addressing the water issues in yeah. Jackson, add this to it, Mr. Speaker, and let's yeah. get this done. Because every day we're we're losing people.
3: Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, so I I wonder, Sam, is some of this fentanyl being produced in the state of mississippi or is it coming into the state from elsewhere you
27: know that that's a good question and i i don't know from what i understand and we had several law enforcement that we talked to that most of it's coming from overseas sure and china and i don't i can't verify this but i hear most of it's produced and coming from china and i'll I'll put any perspective on it for you to me if it is the Chinese are—they're are, using it as a weapon of mass destruction. Oh man! Because uh, it's—I yeah, don't care if they kill us. You no, know, it's as lethal as as ricin or nerve gas. It, I mean, that's how potent this stuff is.
3: Well, Sam, appreciate you coming on, man. Appreciate your your passion as well. Um, and I, I'm with you. Let's get this done. Let's do it. Representative Sam Creekmore represents Union County District 14 in the House of Representatives. It's been our guest talking about International Overdose Awareness Day and something we got to do about this fentanyl crisis. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. We'll step aside for a break right here on Middays. We're in the Element Well Studios. We're coming right back.
19: I'm Mason Irby, your Madison County Edward Jones financial advisor. We're all about financial investments, but we also value the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Madison Central Football on Supertalk Jackson. Call me, Mason Irby, at 601-616-6872 or visit edwardjones.com for all your investment needs.
12: This is Dave Logan with Canon Nissan of Jackson.
7: What's new, Dave?
12: New Nissans are arriving daily. We are now offering a two-year maintenance program on all new and pre-owned vehicles. Canon Nissan will match any competitor's prices on tires, batteries, and more. Nobody beats a Canon deal. Nobody.
6: Hello here with a special
8: invitation to join us weekday mornings six to nine. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis—all right here on Super Talk Jackson, ninety-seven point
7: three.
0: Now back to midday's with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Okay, the Dow now has crested the 100 mark, down 100. It's down to 101. It cannot find any direction. That's why that dang kangaroo is running ragged up and down, trying to figure it out. Crude is down a bit today, which uh, I just don't know what to think, honestly. I'm trying to get some sense of where all this is going from a financial perspective. The uh, we had the ADP jobs report out today. You probably saw that, and that came in showing number of jobs added came in at half of what analysts predicted, and and so that kind of makes you wonder what what does the Fed do? How do they react? Because in general, when you see um, unemployment or, or employment moderate and jobs aren't being created with such uh, speed and vigor, the Fed sees that as contributing to combating inflation, deflationary. And they may back off a little bit, but I don't know. you got some of those uh, analysts that say we're set for a couple of 75 basis point rate hikes before the end of the year. That would bump the Fed funds rate up to about 4%. Some are saying it will stay there or higher. We'll get over 5% into next year before we see a pivot. But, but others in the investment community say, no, I think we're going to see a pivot sometimes next year, which would be good news for the equity market. So bottom line is, that's why we have buyers and sellers. Everybody's speculating, trying to figure out where it uh, it is going. Uh, and... Related to that, with respect to the student loan situation, I'm going to try to stay calm when I talk about this issue, because it just makes me so dead gum mad. It's just more deception and more twisting and manipulating and distorting and turning of the facts, especially when it comes to financial information, economic information. So, White House officials are saying that this student debt, (laughs) I kid you not, this student debt cancellation, it's fully paid for! You know how they're saying it's paid for? Deficit reduction. So follow me here, you're overdrawn a thousand bucks. But now you're only overdrawn five hundred, and you just paid for something? Are you kidding me? That is nuts. Oh, yeah, see, you know, we're not as in the hole as much as we were before. Therefore, we paid for this additional spending. Huh? That is That literally is what they're saying. That's their narrative. That's their messaging coming out of the White House. And again, the whole deficit thing, they're being so duplicitous about that. They passed a one point nine trillion dollar bill last year, which caused us to to produce a two point eight trillion dollar deficit, that in twenty one. And of course that's down this year because thank God they didn't pass another one point nine trillion dollar bill. And they're saying look, we cut the deficit. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. The American Rescue Plan we're talking about, of course, the $1.9 trillion. Oh, look, the President cut the deficit. Quote, we're on track for $1.7 trillion in deficit reduction this year. That means, practically speaking, compared to the previous year, $1.7 trillion more dollars are coming into the Treasury. No, it doesn't. That's not what it means. They're freaking lying about that. Okay, I lied. I'm getting fired <laughs> That's just not true. That 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 does not mean 1.7 trillion more is going into the Treasury. No, that's not what it means. Which
2: gives you really two options for understanding their viewpoint. Either they are completely full of it and don't understand a single word that's coming out of their mouth, or they do and they don't think you're smart enough to catch them.
3: I think you're right. A little of both, perhaps, a little combination. And I'll use a silly analogy again. It's silly, but it's like, look, <laughs> we, we filled up the ditch, then we dug all the dirt out of the ditch. Look how we solved that problem. Well, it wasn't full before you filled it up, you fool. It's unbelievable. That's literally what they're saying here. Look, we cut the deficit by $1.7 trillion after we added $1.7 trillion to it in the prior year! Good grief! How can they get away with being so deceptive, so duplicitous? And the problem is, so many in the country say, yeah, look at Joe go, he cut the deficit! They have no clue! No clue. We're taking victory laps because we have a $1 trillion deficit. Oh, throw another $300 billion at it in the form of student loan forgiveness. That literally is what they're saying. So, there's just no regard for the truth when it comes to all this financial and economic information. Maybe that's how we got $31 trillion in debt. If you ran, i say it again, a business that way, of course, you would be effectively bankrupt. You'd be done. You couldn't survive. And something else you hear a lot about the student debt loan or student loan stuff is, well, that's not fair. I agree. But since when has the government ever, ever made policy that, I guess, was universally deemed fair? That because... There are a few things you could say that all of us benefit from. I would say defense of the nation is one. That is a core constitutional function of government. But once you get into all these programs, all bets are off. You can't make them fair. Fair? There's no such thing as fair. You can't even agree on what's fair, (laughs) the definition thereof. How in the world are you going to enact policy? that's fair. It's not fair. There's no such thing. Here's an entire
2: generation in the civil rights movement making life more fair only for the next generation
3: to come along and spit in the face of every all the work that was done and call it privilege. That's absolutely right. It's interesting you say that because I did when when Russ was on, I was talking about I got him pretty fired up. The NAACP is saying this student debt forgiveness is unfair. Here's what they said. Finally, it might just be student debt cancellation week this week. In the coming days, President Biden this was just before he did it has the opportunity to cancel at least 50,000 per borrower to address the student debt crisis that has burdened black borrowers and families across America. As time continues, the needs of the American people have not and will not change with substantial without, excuse me, substantial cancellation student debt repayment can uh, be paused over and over again. There's no reason why the president cannot cancel a minimum of 50000 Do it to reduce the racial wealth gap. Do it to capture the interest of many who will participate in the November election. Do it for the future of American families and communities. You will be grateful you did. So that's the official statement from the NAACP, and they've also published just a ton of uh statistics Black borrowers typically owe 50 percent more in student debt upon graduation on average black borrowers have $53,000 in student loan debt four years after graduation almost twice as much as their white counterparts. tool two data findings bolster the NAACP's claim that student debt disproportionately harms low-income households and in particular low-income black households I mean it's just it's all about race I'm telling you we just can't we can't have, a civil, meaningful, productive conversation without everything just distilling down to the, the race card is the common denominator. And it's like Russ said, I, you know, if, you're, if the policy's bad, the policy's bad, it doesn't matter if it's, it's not black or white. If leaders are bad and incompetent, we're not, there's no um, you know, preference for them to be black or white, no indication. It's just, it is what it is. Can't we just do it without talking about race? Why does it have to be injected into every dang conversation? Because it's an entire cottage industry. It, you're right. They're making a fortune off of it. They, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, we've talked about this Sandia Labs deal. Hell, that was two years ago. You think they paid a little money to take all their executives off-site for a week to go through all this training that they paid consultants for? This is happening every day in this country every day but yet we don't have any water in Jackson that's how crazy it is
2: and they'll blame that on racism Well,
3: they already have to some extent
2: there there have been which to take Russ's words out of his mouth that's the thoughts
3: and words of a child I totally agree we gotta get past it gotta get past it we'll step aside for a break we got half an hour left on middays please stay with us
23: Chicago.
5: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, a 20% chance of rain, mostly sunny, high near 91. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 69. Beautiful day on tap for Thursday, mostly sunny, high near 90 degrees. And finally, Friday, a 60% chance of showers, partly sunny, high near 90 degrees. This weather brought to you by our friends at Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton. Shop local. Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile, your building supply experts since 1871. You hear those notifications?
21: That's small businesses in America taking off on TikTok. Businesses like Porgy's Hot Dogs.
10: I've another good one for y'all today, our peanut, butter, and jelly dog.
21: Their homemade hot dog videos pull in diners from across the country. And there's Matt Fix It, your local handyman just building a business.
4: Holy freaking drywall repair. We've got a bathtub above this kitchen.
21: Over a million people saw that video and new customers are still flying in. American small business booms on TikTok.
24: I'm Lauren McGraw with Gotta Go. I'm here to help you with your construction site. We have many different options, such as portable toilets, handicap units, hand washers,
15: eye washers, and also roll-off dumpsters. When you gotta go, please call Gotta Go, 601-879-3969.
28: I'm Caleb Sailors, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Earlier today, the FDA authorized updated COVID-19 vaccine booster shots from Moderna and Pfizer. This is the first time updated COVID-19 vaccines have received emergency use authorization in the United States. Jared Halpern has the details. A new COVID booster
22: shot could be available to Americans in a matter of days after the FDA gave authorization to a new recipe made by Pfizer and Moderna. The new vaccines combine the original recipe with updates specifically for Omicron variants BA.4 and BA.5, considered the most contagious strains. The U.S. has already purchased more than 170 million doses. Pfizer says it can ship up to 15 million by the end of next week. Still, it's unclear how widespread new booster shots will be. Only about half of fully vaccinated Americans got a first recommended booster dose, and a third of those 50 and older eligible for a second booster did so.
17: This is Jake Mangum, player for the Newark Mets organization and former Mississippi State Bulldog. I've been a loyal Farm Bureau customer for years now. Why? It's simple. Because since day one, Farm Bureau has provided me with exceptional customer service and competitive insurance rates. They work hard for my business, and they'll work hard for yours. If you aren't already on the team, it's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team.
0: Mississippi loves high school football. And now you can stream tons of high school football games from across the Magnolia State each Friday night just by going to supertalk.fm slash high school. That's supertalk.fm slash high school. And of course, on Friday nights during the season, there's always a game on your local Supertalk radio station.
21: The season's on the line.
0: Touchdown! When it comes to high school football in Mississippi, nobody does it like we do. We are Supertalk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back, everyone. Midday's talk, Mississippi, a little Wipeout. Every amateur drummer had to master Wipeout, Rhino. That one by The Ventures. What a cool group they were. I want to say they just had two guitars, a bass player, and and the drummer. And uh, we're always out on the beach playing music. (laughs) California group during the 60s. Surfing music sort of deal. Yeah, they they had definitely
2: had that late 50s early 60s vibe. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
3: Pretty good. Pretty good on the guitar there, huh?
2: Where they've all got the matching color coordinated oh, suits. That's right.
3: Yeah. That's what you had to do back then, man. Had to wear the outfits. Uh and there's uh I caught a video. Oh, I will tell you what it is it's it's one of those um uh what do you call them The ads that run on um on television, they'll they'll be on some of the off channels. That, Infomercial. Yeah, infomercials, and there's one that uh, is featuring uh, CDs that you can buy. Oh yeah. DVDs actually, and they are um, Ed Sullivan's various bands that he had on guests. Oh. Yeah, and and of course. It's cool to watch the, the, the promos of that, because it's the Beatles and the Animals and, and uh, uh, the Association and all these bands that were popular back then. And, of course, Ed Sullivan, for all you youngsters out there, you know how he did it. But, I mean, all these bands that were just kind of coming into their own, and they got their big break by getting invited on Sullivan's show. And uh, everybody tuned into that every Sunday night. You'd see them and see the music, fall in love with it, and go buy you a, an album. That's how it worked. But anyhow, somebody's collected all those up and put them on a set of DVDs, and it's all the various talents that Ed Sullivan, musical talents, rock bands that Ed Sullivan featured from those days. Pretty cool. Anyhow, just uh, talking today about student loans and, um, and the water situation. In the city of uh, Jackson, I still say we got to get past this idea, this concept that every disparity, every imbalance, every issue has got a racial undertone to it and is driven by racism. That's just not true. I, I refuse to accept that. And so we have. But the folks on the left use that very effectively. It's very effective um, sound and very effective rhetoric, honestly. And by the way, the president, he's scheduled to speak to us Thursday about uh, finding the soul of the nation. Ah, That's what the White House says we can expect coming out of the president. I don't know. How that's gonna go and honestly I don't know what to expect in terms of content. But just last week, of course, he he very emphatically said that kind of kind of dissed half the country, did he not? Basically said these MAGA Republicans are a threat to a democracy. And uh goes on to really scorn and scold them and Speak uh, very poorly of them. Uh, it's just crazy to me that this is a guy we were told was supposed to unite us and represent us all, is uh, throwing that rhetoric rhetoric around. And I, I guess it's popular. That's all I know. And I guess it's it is uh, gives them a boost as we got the midterms coming up. Considered valuable in the campaign on the campaign trail. I just think it's inappropriate honestly, for a a sitting president, a candidate for president. I mean, this is kind of like the Hillary Clinton deplorables moment, is it not? It just doesn't go well, in my view. You may disagree, but to issue personal attacks like that and to complain and denounce them as a threat to democracy, And, of course, what's top of that list? Reproductive rights. It's a threat to democracy because you oppose abortion. You're a threat to democracy if you want true, accurate, valid elections, and you only want people who are qualified legally to vote to cast a single vote. That's a threat to democracy. If you're in the camp that respects our flag and and our legacy constitutional values, you're a threat to democracy. I mean, literally, that's the message there. kind of blows me away.
2: And it's racist to hope that someone can get an ID before they vote. But if you're in New York, you better have an ID to buy whipped cream. I saw that. What in the wide
3: world of sports is that all about? Whippets. Oh.
2: Getting high off the propellant in the whipped cream can.
3: Oh, my God.
2: Killing brain cells thousands at a time for
3: oh, a ten-second high. Well, of course, Governor Kathy Hochul now, you've seen the viral video circulating where she basically implores all those who don't subscribe to and, ab- and abide by New York values just go on out here, go to go to Texas, go to Florida. It's unbelievable, from a sitting governor. From the party of unity. Yeah, and tolerance, right? Oh, they're so tolerant. Just really is incredible. Moe says, remember, talking about the deficits and debt, kind of pivot a bit here, says, Remember, Gerard, you're talking about people who plan on a spending increase each year, and if spending stays flat, they consider that a spending cut. I know, Moe's, unfortunately, it is apparent that the what the president and his staff think of us conservatives, I will not listen to anything that he has to say.
2: Yeah, it's kind of hard to listen to a president talking about the soul of the country when he did such a good job raising his kid to
3: suck his soul through the hole in the crack pipe. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> That's very true. Never seen a president attack voters the way Biden has. I, I agree. Uh, C.J., I mean, Trump, I think, was really good about attacking his opponents and his detractors. But I don't remember. In fact, as I recall, don't you remember him saying uh, to black voters, hey, give it a try. What do you got to lose? Clearly it ain't happening now for you. Remember that, appealing to them? I actually thought that was a pretty good strategy. What you're doing over and over again is not improving the quality of your life, certainly the way they purport it to. I agree with you. Um, let's see, Thomas and Greenwood said that he doesn't believe that our education system should be involved in teaching students about the hazards of drugs and the risks of drugs, use of drugs, and drug abuse. He says it's the parent's job. I mean, you could extend that, though, Thomas, to everything that's taught in schools, right? It's the parent's job to teach, I don't know, math, history. So we just should just transition everything to homeschooling. I mean, I don't have a problem with teaching about the hazards and the risks and the dangers of drug abuse in schools. I would also say that they should be in a position to do a way better job than parents at home and then... Don't also overlook the fact that many of these kids don't have any parents at home, or certainly lacking a parent. So I I don't have a a problem with that. He says it's not deserving of special funding. Uh, Maybe you didn't hear what Representative Creekmore said. He's just reallocating money that's being used for um, uh, education on tobacco use, hazards of tobacco use. So. I mean, what about – should we just fund schools, Tom? Probably, I'm just guessing now, you can let me know that the government should get out of the school business. That the state should just exit the public school business. Which is consumes about half of our budget. Just get out of it. Just You're on your own. Uh, let's see – Everything the Biden administration says is scolding us, says Larry and Jackson. Yeah, does seem to be the case. I agree.
2: That's the whole Democrat Party and everybody leaning left. They're all woke scolds.
3: Yeah, that is true. Yeah, uh, by the way, Ben from Madison, yeah, Ben, Lincoln County, we talked about that earlier. They sure did. They had a, a referendum. To override the decision of the county to opt out of the medical cannabis program, the referendum was successful, and so the county will be uh, um, participating in. into the program. Yeah, as a result of the vote, it was a close vote, but voters voted to opt in. Yeah. Also, we were told there was um, an email threat, a bomb threat from another country down in. Lincoln County, but apparently that's not uh, anything to be concerned about. Hmm. We'll step aside for the final segment on Middays. We'll be right back.
24: dot com
13: The first ever Good
17: News Gospel Festival will take place on the lawn at Grammy Museum Mississippi on Saturday, September 3rd. The Good News Gospel Festival will celebrate the rich heritage of gospel music in the Mississippi Delta, featuring performances by the Grammy-winning Mississippi Mass Choir and many more. To learn more about this free community event, as well as other upcoming programs and Grammy Museum's current exhibit, MTV Turns 40, I Still Want My MTV, visit GrammyMuseumMS.org.
3: In the Element Well Studios Middays, Super Talk Mississippi. Don't forget high school football back on Super Talk Mississippi. Catch a local game on just about every Super Talk Mississippi station. Plus, you can stream a ton of games and get up to the minute scores from across the entire state by going to Supertalk.fm slash high school or by clicking on sports on the Super Talk Mississippi app. And then the scoreboard preview show. On Fridays at 6 p.m., the Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show at 10 p.m. on Friday nights. So, the Biden administration is really sending their troops out to try to really uh, boost the favorability of this student debt forgiveness program. Here's someone uh, from the Biden administration, an advisor weighing in. Listen.
9: Um, We're going to continue to to fight that. And the president has been very clear about the rising cost of college education and the fact that we need to bring it under control, and he's working on that. But let me be clear about all those criticisms. We have a bunch of things in this country. This country is not a zero-sum game where somebody has to fail for others to succeed. And so we have historic tax credits. We have business tax credits to help those who own businesses. And not everyone in America owns a business. But we help business owners because we want to promote it. So what the president is saying, for those people who fight and search and go gain an education, that we're going to help you because education is the best way out of poverty. And you shouldn't be saddled with that debt because home ownership is the best way to pass wealth on from generations. Uh, So this is about helping working class people. 90% of this benefit will go to people who earn less than uh, $75,000 a year. So those plumbers and electricians and police officers and teachers, this will help their children reach that American dream that they want. And remember, everything doesn't benefit everybody, but it's about the common good. And this president is focused on working families and empowering people to reach their full potential. And I think that this does exactly what he's trying to do.
3: The common good. There you go. The greater good. Yeah. So, hmm. I mean, there's so much to unpack there, but the, my main takeaway from that, and, th- and it's actually like a seven-minute interview there. We just played an, played an excerpt of it. My main takeaway from that interview, that, that line of thinking, is that, what is, again, what is the role of government? If we're saying here, as this person is, this is the right thing to do, and this is how people get a part of the American dream for us just to forgive their debt.
2: So we're promoting bad behavior to encourage the passage down of generational wealth and homeownership so they can tax you later on your generational wealth. Pretty much.
3: That's a good way to put it. Yep, that's pretty much right. But that... That's the fundamental problem. I think the crossroads, the inflection point in the country is what is the role of government? All levels, but in particular at the federal level. Because clearly, well, by the way, what did he say? Let me be clear <laughs> many times. So the government should have never gotten involved in the student debt loan business to start with, right? I think that's the – that. so it's the same old thing. They get involved in something they shouldn't have gotten involved in It have no idea what they're doing. They screw it up, and then they come out with a new program to fix it. I mean, rents repeat. That's what happens over and over again. And this student debt, student loan, higher ed situation is no different. I say, again, the fundamental problem is, as Russ and I were talking about, What's the proper measurement of success in education? Right now, for the most part, higher ed, it's degrees, right? They brag. They boast. They promote. Look at all the degrees we conferred, right? Oh, yeah. That's their calling card. It's their resume. That don't mean squat. That don't mean anything. What they should be measuring is to what extent, to the degree, and some way to quantify how their graduates go on to contribute to society <laughs> and how are they successful are they producing value
2: well the problem with that is you can't get anybody to agree on value well that's true you'd have some on the left that would say interpretive dance is just as valuable as nuclear physics well that's
3: true that's a good point point. and then consider the number of people in this country that didn't go to college whatsoever and produced enormous value. Enormous value. Lots of people. Bill Gates. You may not like him. I don't like his politics. But you cannot deny that his inventions and his work created and produced an immeasurable value for society, for the world. I'm not trying to give him props as a, as a person because I think he's got baggage and issues. But as an entrepreneur, a technologist, he did a lot. And there's a long list. Michael Dell, um, Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs. Don't have any degrees, but that's what we measure. See the problem there? We're out of time, folks. Back in the studio tomorrow. Until then, stay safe. God bless. (laughs) A Super Talk
0: Mississippi (laughs) media production.